Chapter Four of the Titan by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Peter Laughlin and Company. The partnership which Cowperwood eventually made with an old-time board of trade operator, Peter Laughlin, was eminently to his satisfaction. Laughlin was a tall, gaunt speculator who had spent most of his living days in Chicago, having come there as a boy from western Missouri. He was a typical Chicago board of trade operator of the old school, having an Andrew Jacksonist countenance and a Henry Clay Davy Crockett Long John Wentworth build of body. Cowperwood, from his youth up, had a curious interest in quaint characters, and he was interesting to them. They took to him. He could, if he chose to take the trouble, fit himself in with the odd psychology of almost any individual. In his early peregrinations in LaSalle Street, he inquired after clever traders on change, and then gave them one small commission after another in order to get acquainted. Thus he stumbled one morning on old Peter Laughlin, wheat and corn trader, who had an office in LaSalle Street near Madison, and who did a modest business gambling for himself and others in grain and eastern railway shares. Laughlin was a shrewd, canny American, originally perhaps of Scottish extraction, who had all the traditional American blemishes of uncouthness, tobacco-chewing, profanity, and other small vices. Cowperwood could tell from looking at him that he must have a fund of information concerning every current Chicagoan of importance, and this fact alone was certainly to be of value. Then the old man was direct, plain-spoken, simple-appearing, and wholly unpretentious, qualities which Cowperwood deemed invaluable. Once or twice in the last three years Laughlin had lost heavily on private corners that he had attempted to engineer, and the general feeling was that he was now becoming cautious, or, in other words, afraid. Just the man, Cowperwood thought. So one morning he called upon Laughlin, intending to open a small account with him. Henry, he heard the old man say as he entered Laughlin's fair-sized but rather dusty office to a young, preternaturally solemn-looking clerk, a fit assistant for Peter Laughlin. Get me them there Pittsburgh and Lake Erie shears, will you? Seeing Cowperwood waiting, he added, What can I do for you? Cowperwood smiled. So he calls them shears, does he? He thought, Good. I think I'll like him. He introduced himself as coming from Philadelphia, and went on to say that he was interested in various Chicago ventures, inclined to invest in any good stock which would rise, and particularly desirous to buy into some corporation, public utility preferred, which would be certain to grow with the expansion of the city. Old Laughlin, who was now all of sixty years of age, owned a seat on the board and was worth in the neighborhood of $200,000, looked at Cowperwood quizzically. Well, now, if you'd come along here ten or fifteen years ago, you might have got in on the ground floor of a lot of things, he observed. There was these here gas companies, now, that them Otway and Apperson boys got in on, and then all these here street railways. Why, I'm the fellow that told Eddie Parkinson what a fine thing he could make out of it, 
if he would go and organize the North State Street line. He promised me a bunch of shears, if he ever worked it out, but he never give them to me. I didn't expect him to, though, he added wisely, and with a glint. I'm too old a traitor for that. He's out of it now, anyway. That Michaels Kennelly crowd skinned him. Yes, if you'd been here ten or fifteen years ago, you might have got in on that. Tain't no use thinking about that, though, any more. Them shears is selling for close to a hundred and sixty. Cowperwood smiled. Well, Mr. Laughlin, he observed, you must have been on change a long time here. You seem to know a good deal of what has gone on in the past. Yep, ever since 1852, replied the old man. He had a thick growth of upstanding hair, looking not unlike a rooster's comb, a long and what threatened eventually to become a punch-and-judy chin, a slightly aquiline nose, high cheekbones, and hollow, brown-skinned cheeks. His eyes were as clear and as sharp as those of a lynx. "'To tell you the truth, Mr. Laughlin,' went on Cowperwood, "'what I'm really out here in Chicago for is to find a man with whom I can go into partnership in the brokerage business. Now, I'm in the banking and brokerage businesses myself in the East. I have a firm in Philadelphia and a seat on both the New York and Philadelphia exchanges. I have some affairs in Fargo also. Any trade agency can tell you about me. You have a Board of Trade seat here, and no doubt you do some New York and Philadelphia exchange business. The new firm, if you would go in with me, could handle it all direct. I'm a rather strong outside man myself. I'm thinking of locating permanently in Chicago. What would you say now to going into business with me? Do you think we could get along in the same office space? Cowperwood had a way, when he wanted to be pleasant, of beating the fingers of his two hands together, finger for finger, tip for tip. He also smiled at the same time, or rather beamed, his eyes glowing with a warm, magnetic, seemingly affectionate light. As it happened, old Peter Laughlin had arrived at that psychological moment when he was wishing that some such opportunity as this might appear and be available. He was a lonely man, never having been able to bring himself to trust his peculiar temperament in the hands of any woman. As a matter of fact, he had never understood women at all. His relations being confined to those sad immoralities of the cheapest character, which only money, grudgingly given at that, could buy. He lived in three small rooms in West Harrison Street, near Thorpe, where he cooked his own meals at times. His one companion was a small spaniel, simple and affectionate, a she-dog, Jenny by name, with whom he slept. Jenny was a docile, loving companion, waiting for him patiently by day in his office until he was ready to go home at night. He talked to this spaniel quite as he would to a human being, even more intimately, perhaps, taking the dog's glances, tail waggings, and general movements for answer. In the morning, when he arose, which was often as early as half-past four, or even four, he was a brief sleeper, he would begin by pulling on his trousers. He seldom bathed any more, except at a downtown barber shop, and talking to Jenny. Well, now, Jenny, he would say, it's time to get up, We've got to make our coffee now and get some breakfast. 
I can see you lying there, pretending to be asleep. Come on, now. You've had sleep enough. You've been sleeping as long as I have. Jenny would be watching him out of the corner of one loving eye, her tail tap-tapping on the bed, her free ear going up and down. When he was fully dressed, his face and hands washed, his old string tie pulled up into a loose and convenient knot, his hair brushed upward, Jenny would get up and jump demonstratively about, as much as to say, "'You see how prompt I am?' "'That's the way,' old Laughlin would comment. "'Always last. You never get up first, do you, Jenny? Always let your old man do that, don't you?' On bitter days, when the car wheels squeaked, and one's ears and fingers seemed to be in danger of freezing, old Laughlin, arrayed in a heavy, dusty greatcoat of ancient vintage and a square hat, would carry Jenny downtown in a greenish-black bag, along with some of his beloved shears, which he was meditating on. Only then could he take Jenny in the cars. On other days they would walk, for he liked exercise. He would get to his office as early as 7.30 or 8, though business did not usually begin until after 9, and remain until 4.30 or 5, reading the papers or calculating during the hours when there were no customers. Then he would take Jenny and go for a walk or call on some business acquaintance. His home room, the newspapers, the floor of the exchange, his offices, and the streets were his only resources. He cared nothing for plays, books, pictures, music, and for women only in his one-angled, mentally impoverished way. His limitations were so marked that to a lover of character like Cowperwood he was fascinating, but Cowperwood only used character. He never idled over it long artistically. As Cowperwood suspected, what old Laughlin did not know about Chicago financial conditions, deals, opportunities and individuals was scarcely worth knowing. Being only a trader by instinct, neither an organizer nor an executive, he had never been able to make any great constructive use of his knowledge. His gains and his losses he took with reasonable equanimity, exclaiming over and over when he lost, shucks, I hadn't ought to have done that, and snapping his fingers. When he won heavily or was winning, he munched tobacco with a serific smile, and occasionally in the midst of trading would exclaim, "'You fellers better come in. It's gonna rain some more.'" He was not easy to trap in any small gambling game, and only lost or won when there was a free open struggle in the market, or when he was engineering some little scheme of his own. The matter of this partnership was not arranged all at once, although it did not take long. Old Peter Laughlin wanted to think it over, although he had immediately developed a personal fancy for Cowperwood. In a way, he was the latter's victim and servant from the start. They met day after day to discuss various details and terms. Finally, true to his instincts, old Peter demanded a full half-interest. "'Now you don't want that much,' Laughlin Cowperwood suggested, quite blandly. They were sitting in Laughlin's private office between four and five in the afternoon, and Laughlin was chewing tobacco with a sense of having a fine, interesting problem before him. "'I have a seat on the New York Stock Exchange,' he went on, "'and that's worth forty thousand dollars. 
My seat on the Philadelphia Exchange is worth more than yours here. They will naturally figure as the principal assets of the firm. It is to be in your name. I'll be liberal with you, though. Instead of a third, which would be fair, I'll make it 49%, and we'll call the firm Peter Laughlin and Company. I like you, and I think you can be of a lot of use to me. I know you will make more money through me than you have alone. I could go in with a lot of these silk-stocking fellows around here, but I don't want to. You'd better decide right now, and let's get to work. Old Laughlin was pleased beyond measure that young Cowperwood should want to go in with him. He had become aware of late that all of the young, smug newcomers on change considered him an old fogey. Here was a strong, brave young Easterner, twenty years his junior, evidently as shrewd as himself, more so, he feared, who actually proposed a business alliance. Besides, Cowperwood, in his young, healthy, aggressive way, was like a breath of spring. "'I ain't caring so much about the name,' rejoined Laughlin. "'You can fix it up that way if you want to. Giving you fifty-one per cent gives you charge of this here shebang. All right, though. I ain't a-kickin'. I guess I can manage always to get what's comin' to me.' "'It's a bargain, then,' said Cowperwood. "'We'll want new offices, Laughlin, don't you think? This one's a little dark.' Fix it up any way you like, Mr. Cowperwood. It's all the same to me. I'll be glad to see how you do it. In a week, the details were completed, and two weeks later, the sign of Peter Laughlin and Company, grain and commission merchants, appeared over the door of a handsome suite of rooms on the ground floor of a corner at LaSalle and Madison, in the heart of the Chicago Financial District. Get on to old Laughlin, will you? One broker observed to another, as they passed the new pretentious commission house with its splendid plate-glass windows and observed the heavy, ornate bronze sign placed on either side of the door, which was located exactly on the corner. What struck him? I thought he was almost all through. Who's the company? I don't know. Some fellow from the East, I think. Well, he's certainly moving up. Look at that plate-glass, will you? It was thus that Frank Algernon Cowperwood's Chicago financial career was definitely launched. End of chapter 4